You are listening to a Victory Alabang podcast. God's Word is our authority in how we live our lives. Learn more in this message by Pastor Sol Wang. Advisory. This podcast contains mature subject matter. Please exercise discretion when listening around children. Our goal for this whole series is this, okay? Uh, we want we want everybody in church, okay, to have a biblical understanding of sex. Right? That is the main goal of um, of our whole series. And week one, uh, Pastor Ariel talked about idolatry. Sex should not be an idol because at time, it could be an idol. Sex could be an idol. And I'd like, I'd like to share to you what Tim, Timothy Keller or Tim Keller said, that an idol is anything more important to you than God. Anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God. Anything you seek to give you what only God can give. Okay, that is an idol. And sex could be an idol. But I like what Pastor Yale shared last week. He said that idolatry happens when a good thing like sex becomes a God thing like lust or adultery, which is a bad thing. Okay? And he also mentioned this as his main point that sex is not God. Sex is not a God. Jesus is. That's why we need to worship God alone. Now, on our second week, okay, this particular preaching, we're going to talk about authority. Everybody say that. Authority. authority. How God's word is authority. All right. Now, before we start, I want you just to take time to imagine with me. Okay, just for a while. Just imagine with me. If you live in this world where you have a you have total freedom. Okay? You have total access to whatever you want in life. You know, you have it. Now, imagine with me, if this is your world and you have total freedom and what could possibly happen? I mean, my question is this. What would it be like if you could do anything you want? Okay? Think about that. You could, you could just do anything you want without anybody stopping you and, or, you know, or, um, yeah, commenting or criticizing you just do what you want nobody can stop you and maybe the picture of that would be something like this you'd probably run to the store get get an LED TV uh, I don't know pioneer I don't know if it's a DVD player or what but you know you can you could just break in go to a shop um, name a shop uh, oh man an appliance store, whatever. You go to SM Appliance Store and you, know, you just go there and grab what you like because you have total freedom. What would it be like? Again, what would it be like if there would be no police officers? There are no police enforcers? Think about that. What would it be like if we live in a world where there are no police officers? No enforcers? It's probably like this. It would look something like this. You'd probably hurt the police or take down the police or even yet, you know, just go ahead. If you're hungry, you want to go to Pizza Hut, grab, well, that's not Pizza Hut. You back sign in Pizza Hut. But you could just go in and break in, you know, break, break in and get what you literally want. There's no one stopping you. Now, what would it be like if there was no government? No government, no law, no rules, no traffic rules. Now think about that. It's probably like this. It would look something like this. 
burn the flag. If you don't like the government, you'd go out in the streets and just protest or probably make or fight a revolution. That's a picture. What will it be like? What will it be like if there were no school authorities? No professors, no teachers to tell you what to do. Okay, 1984. If you were born in the 80s, there was a movie, a film called The Class of 1984. We watched that, okay? It was total chaos. They, they basically, you know, took down the authority in school, and they were the authority this time. Hard to imagine. But this is the picture of what could happen the weaker one will be overpowered by the bigger one. That's a picture. What would it be like if there were no authority in our relationships? Then the picture would probably look like this. See, with no authority in our relationship, it could break you, it could hurt you, or it can bring you to loneliness. That's a picture. But what would it be like if there were no authority on sex? What would it be like? You're wondering what picture will come next, right? So what would it be like if there was no authority on sex? It's going to look something like this. Dark, nothing. I knew what you know. Some of you probably were thinking, "Ah, oh, what would Pastor Saul put there?" But it's complete. It's complete darkness. We will all live in darkness. This is the world we live in today. The reality is, this is our world. There's total darkness, without any authority, no moral standards. Okay. We will all live in darkness. That's why today, as we look into Scripture, look into the Word of God, let the Bible be the final authority. Okay? Let the Bible be our final and only authority when it comes to our lives, our relationships, and yes, sex. Say that with me again, sex. Okay, let it be the final authority. Why, do I, why am I saying this? Look at this. In, in Psalm 119, verse 160 says, The sum of your word is truth. The psalmist says that the sum of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous rules endures forever. You know, truth will always be truth. No matter you, whether you accept that or not, the word of God is truth. Kind of like, you know, whether you accept there's gravity or not, there'll always be gravity. Word of God is truth. Jesus says that heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. That's why the Bible is the only authority when it comes to, say it with me, sex. All right, let's all stand up and read God's word. Amen? Praise God. All together now, one, two, three. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Let's bow down our heads and pray. Father, thank you that your word is the final authority 
of all our lives, God. We just ask, Holy Spirit, that you open our hearts, our minds. Lord, give us wisdom. Let every word that would come out today, Lord God, be your word, nothing else, Lord God. Most of all, may, may we have a changed life after this message. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. God, take your seats. Question, ladies and gentlemen. Where did you learn about sex? Where did you learn about sex? I was 12 years old. The first time I learned about sex. It didn't come from my mom and dad. It didn't come from my teachers. It didn't come from my friends. It didn't come from the internet because we didn't have internet way back then. Okay? But my brother one day decides to, you know, to poke me and say, come here, you want to know a secret? Of course, you know, you're 12 years old. You say, secret? Yeah, I want to know that secret. Okay, so I went in there and says, do you know, do you want to know about sex? I said, uh, what sex? I was 12 years old. The first time I got exposed to sex, guess what? He, he showed me a magazine. It says, this is sex. And all is history. From that day on forward, a lot of things happened to my life that I'm not proud of. It changed the course of my life knowing that somebody shared to me a magazine about sex. How I wish today that there is a church that preaches on sex. I mean, how I wish that day that there was a preaching on sex so I would know what sex is all about. But that was my exposure. That's what, that's what it is. And, you know, that was uh, not so long ago to now. But to now, they made a survey. DRDF made a survey uh, just to know the source of sex or sources of information about sex. And this is what they found out. They found out that the internet Television and books are the most popular sources of information about sex. Now, if we're not careful enough in our homes and they're open to the internet, you know, it's quite dangerous, okay, if we're not careful enough because th- these are the places where they learn about sex. Not only that, more than one in five NCR youth have no source of information about sex, and that's sad. Why? Because they will get this information elsewhere through a friend, through somebody, through an experience, and sometimes even a, a bad experience. And that's why it's, we, need, we need to open our eyes today. And I'm really glad that, you know, Victory as a whole movement, we decided that we're going to preach about sex. Most NCR youth identify their classmates, again, and friends as the persons who can help them if they have any sex-related problem. And those were the surveys. And that's why today, one out of three young adults here in Metro Manila, okay, here, Filipinos, have had already premarital sex. They had sex before marriage. Okay? And this is really funny, but not really funny because it's about prostitution. Prostitution in the Philippines, the business of prostitution in the Philippines, in fact, went down. Simply because sex now is free. Everybody's doing it. Anybody can do it. A young adult is doing it. One out of three. Can you imagine? One out of three young adults are doing it. 
That's why when you look at it, sex nowadays is cheap. It is cheap. And when you talk about sex, okay, like what Rick Warren says, this is the problem. This is where the tension lies. He says that you cannot value something if you don't know its purpose. You cannot value something if you don't know its purpose. Sex becomes cheap when we don't know its real value and purpose. Let me show you. This is a picture of something. Can you tell me what it is? If you've attended the 11 a.m. service, you'd know this, okay? So don't. But it looks like a potato, okay, right? It looks like a potato. But if you were probably passing by through the forest, and then you see this big lump, I don't know, okay, and you, you see it, you'd probably kick it and not even care about it. But this lump of whatever it's called, okay, is the king of fungi. It's truffle. The most expensive truffle in the world is valued at 160,000 US dollars. You imagine that? Now, what has this something to do with sex? Uh, okay, let me explain. <laughs> the point is this if you don't know the value and the purpose of sex, I mean, if you don't know the purpose of sex and its value, the real value, then everything will be, you know, devalued. Sex is made for marriage. That's a reality. That's what the Word of God says. In Mark chapter 10, verse 6 to 9, and you know, before I, I, I share that, we need to understand that if we have sex outside marriage, we devalue okay, and fall short of the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. You have to understand that God has something for all of us. Do you agree? God has a good, pleasing, and perfect will, right? It's way, way, way. The standard's way above there. And yet, when we, when we have sex out of marriage, the purpose, the value of sex becomes devalued. That's what I'm saying. And Jesus is saying also in Mark chapter 10, verse 6 to 9, okay? And this was a time when we had a conversation with some Pharisees. And Pharisees were, they were basically testing him. They were asking, you know, Jesus, our master, you know, which is lawful to divorce a, a woman? Is it lawful to divorce a woman? And, and he, answered, he answered the Pharisees. He said, you know, um, the, what did Moses say? You know, let me just rephrase that. Let, what did Moses say? And, and, and they said, you know, Moses said that it is lawful. And this is what he said. Jesus said that, you know, the reason why Moses said, you know, it is lawful is because you have hard hearts. And then in verse 6, he says, But God made them male and female from the beginning of creation. The amazing thing about sex, it was already established long ago at the beginning. Okay? He says that this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. Sex was and is made for marriage. You know, we, well, you know what happens when we split apart uh, what God has joined together, or when we do that, we're, we're taking basically our own way of thinking about sex. So in other words, when we think 
and do sex outside marriage, we are splitting apart what God has joined together. That's what's happening. And Jesus was very clear. In fact, you will not find in, verses, in verse 9, you wouldn't find that in the, New, in the Old Testament. He just wanted to make a point. He was saying, you cannot split apart what God has joined together. In other words, you can't split marriage. That's very important in the heart of God. And the reason for this is that sex is sacred to God. In other words, it is devoted and holy unto God. It is sacred. It's, it's something that God holds with super value. Let me show you how. If you understand this, when you talk about God, He is the author, right? He is the author of sex. And therefore, He has to be the authority on sex. So if we don't understand the purpose of sex, we don't understand what it is for, what happens is that you devalue it. And actually, we destroy ourselves. Now today, I want to share to you three biblical purposes of sex. The biblical purpose of sex. Okay? We want to dig into this. And the first one I want to share is about procreation. Everybody say this to me. Procreation. procreation. Okay. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, Bible says that, and God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Now think about this, the very first proclamation of blessing was given to a husband and wife to have sex. Sex is a blessing. It was a blessing. The first proclamation of God was a blessing. That's why, you know, it's not Dirty. Sex is not dirty. Sex is sacred. It is not dirty. God bless. God bless us with sex. In other words, sex is a blessing from God for the propagation of the human race. You know what's amazing about this? When you talk about the biblical purpose of sex as a, you know, for procreation. Now think about this. You and I, we were given the honor and the privilege to be co-creators of God. Are you seeing it? Sex, in other words, gives us that, that uh, you know, uh, gives us that privilege to be like God, to create a human being. That's why sex within marriage is really a blessing from God. You get to co-create a new soul, a soul, a new human being. That's why when you, when you were probably babies, your mom, your dads, you know, when they looked at you, ang cute, cute nyo. Diba? Ngayon, hindi na cute. Okay? But you know what I'm saying? You know, it's, it's, it's that. It is a blessing from God. Without sex, there will be no people on earth. Can you imagine? There will be no people on earth and there will be no people in heaven without sex. Sex is there. So can you turn to your neighbor says, and say this with your neighbor? Say, there will be no you without sex. Come on. All right. At least we're getting lighter now. And I'm saying, because, you know, sex is like taboo. They don't, they don't talk about sex. Okay? In, in the preaching of Pastor Sonny, and this was his, his, um, his preaching, he said, you know, so what are we going to talk about? It's a three-letter word. We're going to discuss about, everybody shouted, God. Okay, so everybody shouted, sex. Now we're going to talk about God. Okay. 
because it's taboo. You know, but the reality is sex is a good thing. Amen. That's why it, it, it's, 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 God's, um, it's God's purpose for us. I, want, I like what Dr. Tim Keller said, that the purpose of sex is not merely for the building up of a family name. The purpose of sex is to create families of disciples, to establish a new kingdom, communities. In other words, God is building communities. He's building His church. When we have sex in the confines of marriage or within the full blessing of that confine, that covenant marriage, we have the ability to produce a kingdom of disciples in which Jesus Christ one day will come as, the, as, as, you know, as we're, we are the bride and He is the groom and He's going to champion us. He's going to come and get us and we're going to have a wedding Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? There's going to be a wedding, okay? That's why it's kind of hard because you're thinking about husband and wife. But this is, the, this is what, what, what God was thinking about. He's talking about a community of believers. That's why sex is for procreation. Secondly, sex is for pleasure. Okay? Now, you may may not agree, but it is for pleasure. Okay? There are some, um, you know, I, I, heard, I heard some people say, you know, but pastor, you know, I didn't have a pleasant experience with sex. And we understand that, okay? Um, some had a difficult time. Some were abused, you know. It's all part of, what, of their experience. But when you go back to what the scripture says, sex is really pleasurable. Let me show you how. What the word of God says, rather. Proverbs 5, 18 to 19 says, Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely dear, a graceful doe. Let her breasts fill you at all times with what? Delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. I mean, you can be intoxicated with liquor, but this, you know, you can, you can be also intoxicated with love. It's an amazing you know, uh, it's a reality. It's an amazing experience because this is God's idea. Sex is really for pleasure, to be delighted on. Now, sex under the full blessing of God brings true pleasure. Well, let me qualify that, okay? Because sex outside of marriage is different. It's called lust. Okay? Some believe that it's love. But let me tell you the big difference, okay? When you, talk about, when you talk about sex outside of marriage, this is what happens. For as long as I am satisfied by you, we're together. But if I'm not satisfied anymore, I'm going to go. You know how they say in America, they, 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 they have this live-in you know, syndrome, they want to test the waters. You know, I want to test the waters if uh, are we are compatible and, you know, and all of that. But can you imagine you live in insecurity every single day of your life thinking that if I don't satisfy my partner anymore, he's out the door. But when it comes to sex, it's more than just a pleasure. When we talk about sex inside the confines of marriage, it is a delight. I call this sort of like divine intoxication. Yeah, let me show you. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. 
and the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Now, here's the big difference. When you are inside a covenant relationship of marriage, this is a big difference. This is, what, this is the idea of God. Adam and Eve came together naked and felt no shame. Why? Because they can finally come to, to a place where they say, Hey, you know, this is me. Everything about me. I don't have to perform before you. I don't have to, you know, to, uh, to get my best foot forward. I can just be me and you will accept me for who I am. That's the kind of sex that is fulfilled inside marriage versus the sex outside marriage, which is totally sort of like a selfish kind of sex. If you don't satisfy me anymore, I'm out the door. It's called a consumer type of, of you know, relationship. You know, when you go to a, when you go to a restaurant, for as long as the service, the food and service is great, I'm there. But if you do not satisfy me anymore, no more customer satisfaction, I'm going to get out of here. And that's the kind of relationship the world has. That's why if you look back, it's dark. The world is dark. So we need to come into the presence of God and understand that this sex that God has intended for us to have in the confines of marriage is really a blessing and it's pleasurable. Amen? Now, in the beginning, there was no lust. In fact, there was this pure in love, love and devotion between man and woman. Okay? There was no shame. They could be themselves. They accepted each other's weaknesses and their strength. It's an amazing thing. It's a beautiful thing, right? Now, God intended sex as a joyous self-giving and pleasure of love. Go to the sex outside marriage. It was never giving. It's about taking self-gratification. You got to. You have to complete me. You ever heard of that? No. When you go into the, into the confines of marriage, no, 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 this is about me giving. Something that I have to give because I love you. I am committed to you. That's why it becomes pleasurable. Okay? It's not just only a physical pleasure, but it is a joyous, self-giving pleasure of love within the life, and mind you, within the life of the Holy Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Let me explain. Sex between man and a woman is really a foretaste of the love between the Father and the Son, between Jesus and us, His believers. Are you still here? Okay. In other words, the joy, the pleasure, the ecstasy that you will find in sex is just really a foretaste of what will happen in eternity with God. Something that is even beyond the pleasure of sex that we're having. Something beyond that is happening when you look at to eternity. And let me tell you why. This is Jesus before he was, you know, before he, he was uh, taken, uh, he was crucified. He said this to, to God and he was praying. He says, Oh Lord, that, oh Lord my Father, that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Now, take a note, take, take a mental note of that, that they may all be one. Not sex anymore. Okay, of course, sex is, you know, being one. 
But there's unity, a union now that is far greater than sex. It's the love, the joyous love pleasure that you get out of their relationship. And he, he actually, you know, uh, explains this in verse 24. Father, this is, this is Jesus, okay? Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Isn't that amazing? The true, passionate, pleasurable kind of love is in God. That's what he was saying. That's why the purpose of sex is for pleasure. The real kind of pleasure. Amen. And thirdly, it's about permanence. Permanence. In Genesis chapter 2, in our main verse, verse 24, it says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Do you ever hear this? Um, <coughs> excuse me. Tim Keller says that the original purpose of sex was to become one flesh, meaning a complete personal union. In other words, sex creates deep intimacy, oneness, and communion between people. Sex brings permanence. Everybody say permanence. Okay. You all know about oxytocin. Have you heard, ever heard of this hormone called oxytocin? Oxytocin, says here, is a powerful hormone. When we hug or kiss a loved one, oxytocin levels drive up. It also acts as a neurotransmitter in the brain. In fact, the hormone plays a huge role in pair bonding. When you have sex, the oxytocin levels goes up. And this hormone helps you bond. There is this covenantal bond that is happening. And one covenantal bond that I can think of is between a father and his you know, child or a mother and his daughter, parent and child. There is this bonding that's happening and science has proven that oxytocin helps in that bond. It's kind of like today, uh, my daughter, if you've seen my daughter, she's six years old, she's quite cute. And you know, she, she wanted to come with me early this morning because this... this my, my girl is really kind of attached to me. Uh, wherever I go, she wants to be there. She wants to sleep uh, yeah, with us. With my, yeah, she, she actually sleeps under my armpit. And, you know, she's always wanting there. Why? Because there's this bond that we have together as father and daughter. And if you look at, if there, there was a, a, a test that was made between a dog and his master. And... If you, they said that in this, in this survey, uh, in this test, they, they said that if you just pet your dog for 30 minutes, 30 minutes, oxytocin levels would, would rise up. Not only in the dog, but also in the master. That's why there is this like master dog, dog and master, you know, kind of bond, right? And it's scientifically proven. And it's just amazing how God has put this oxytocin part of our lives to bond us together. And guess what? Sex does that. It's just more than a physical thing. You are actually deepening, you know, not just in physical, physical contact, but there's a deepening emotionally. That's why you become closer. In fact, it says if you have a problem with your, your spouse, 
have sex. Okay? I'll explain that later on. Because sex binds the marriage covenant. It binds a covenant made between not just the husband and wife, but between God, the husband, and the wife. Sex binds the marriage covenant. Every time a husband and wife have sex, there is what we call a covenant renewal. So, pastor, what's a covenant renewal? It's something like this. Okay? The Bible is full of covenant renewal. When God enters into a personal relationship okay, with someone, He knows that you know, we are emotionally unstable. How many of you are emotionally unstable don't raise your hand okay but we are emotional beings right and sometimes when we decide on something when we commit to something if we don't feel like committing it maybe you commit today tomorrow you won't commit and God knows that he understands that we are emotionally unstable that's why he constantly throughout the Bible he would say you got to renew your covenant that's why you shall remember the Lord your God. Every single generation, there's always this covenant renewal. And guess what? Having sex brings this covenant renewal. If you're not having sex with your spouse, there is no covenant renewal because our emotions, our heart becomes deceitful at times. That's why it's important. There is a bond. Now let me, let me end with this. God's purpose for sex. It's about procreation, pleasure, and what? Permanence. Sex without God's authority has no boundaries. Sex without God's authority has no boundaries. You know that they also made a study with kindergarten uh, with kindergarten uh, kids or yeah kindergarten they they actually made a study they they took away the fences of that of that play area and they 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 observed the kids what would happen and for for most of the kids they couldn't even you know play they kind of felt a big wide space ahead you know just in front of them and they couldn't play in other words, the boundaries, the fences, actually, mo most of the time, protected the kids. See, boundaries in life, or authorities, as our topic is, authorities in life, you think about it, they're not meant to harm us. Boundaries or authorities in life are not meant to harm us, but to protect us. You need to understand that, you know, marriage really, is the boundary. In fact, that's my main point. Marriage is God's boundary for sex. Marriage is God's boundary for sex. It is never the intention of God to make you insecure. It's never the intention of God for you to have broken families or broken homes. Never. God's heart for all of us is to live a fruitful and abundant life. He says, you know, be fruitful, multiply, subdue the earth. That's, that's the heart of God. But because we still live in this dark world, many of our decisions, many of our decisions, the, the things that, because what we want, have affected our lives. But if you allow God to put those boundaries now, with those boundaries, we will be secured 
those boundaries, there's a sense of freedom. The freedom that you can enjoy. It's not total freedom. But when you are in that boundary, you know, I'm going to have that joy. I'm going to have that, you know, pleasure that God is talking about. And I know that the person I'm living today, as I'm investing in it every single day, is the person I will be till death do us part. But truth is, in heaven, there'll be no husbands and wives. There's no sex in heaven. But while we are here on earth, let the boundaries of God, let the boundaries of God protect you. You know, um, there's a story in the Bible that talks about a Samaritan woman. Um, you all know the story. Jesus Christ went to the Samaritan village. He went to this well. He saw this woman. Was, she was a Samaritan. And she asked the woman, if you could you know, give me some water. Can you draw out some water for me in the well? And of course, the woman said, you know, I'm, uh, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan, meaning I'm, you, know, you don't talk to me. We don't, we don't mix. But Jesus said, you know, if, if you only knew who was asking you for water, he would have given you living water. And so many conversations, you know, uh, went on. But this one conversation, I cannot forget Jesus asking this woman, Where is your husband? I mean, it's just odd. Living water, husband. What does the living water have to do with my husband? And she says, No, I don't have any husband. And Jesus said, You're right. In fact, you have had five husbands, and the man that you're living with today, with today, is not your husband. Now, when I was meditating on this, and says, "Wow, God, why, why a husband? Why did you ask that?" I realized in, in the context of marriage, or in the context of our need to be satisfied with the partner, you can never be satisfied unless. You have the true living water that satisfies you. Jesus said, I am the living water. This one, you know, you will never ever thirst again. You will never ever long for a husband. You will never ever long for a partner. Why? Because if you are satisfied in my presence, Jesus says, Hey, you'll have eternal total satisfaction the danger with our relationships today if we you know if I if I look for my wife to fulfill my needs if I look to her and ask her you know you have to do this do that do this do that because if you don't I'm out of here if that's the kind of thing I'm going to be doing I mean our marriage will not last but if I have Jesus today in my life and I could find full satisfaction in His presence, in His love, then what I can bring into our marriage with my wife is the love of God. See, I can give simply because I have been satisfied in the presence of my Lord and Savior. I don't have to look for anything else. Anything else. I'm satisfied. That's why I can now give to my wife, give the best, my wife. Amen. And my prayer today is that all of us would come to the saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because apart from God, 
we will never be satisfied. Amen. We hope you were inspired by that message. Listen to more podcasts from our website at www.victoryalabang.org and in the Victory Alabang app. Thank you and stay connected.